live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. It is the entertainment edition of the ODPH Podcast, so we want to keep that conversation rolling with you. So definitely swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in on the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Podchaser. You name it, we are there. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this podcast, though, man, oh, man, oh, man, we have to deep dive into the latest episode of Loki. Mm-hmm. Now, episode five, the penultimate, has finally dropped, entitled Journey into Mystery. And where this series has gone, Pat, has anybody really predicted? No, because I think even I know I said when we first started discussing the show and kind of previewing the show that I had no idea where the hell this was going to go. That I figured it'd be a gallivant through time and space, you know, to various points in time and history, just seeing Loki and his crazy, mischievous antics. And to a certain degree, I was right, just... I was a little off base. This show has definitely thrown so many curveballs that the easiest comparison, and I say it every week and I stand by it, is American Doctor Who. It keeps you guessing with their sci-fi elements, its humor, its drama. It's all mixed into one. And obviously Tom Hiddleston is carrying this show into uncharted water, but it is such a great ride to be a part of. And the rest of the cast is definitely matching him on the energy they're bringing. Because, like we say, when we first heard about this show, we had no idea what to expect. No. Heard crime heist, time heist, who knows what it's going to be. Because, obviously, coming out of the events of Avengers Endgame, we had no idea where we were going to go. As this is the next wave of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing on Disney Plus that they are definitely holding their own with the movies. Great to see. I'm here for it. And like we said, episode five dropped today, so we are giving you that spoiler warning that we are going to deep dive into Journey into Mystery. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, we are going to put the timestamp in the show notes so you cannot be spoiled. You can't say, oh, you guys are talking about, oh, oh." no, we're giving you fair warning. And we have to make a special reminder, too, the social media embargo is now in effect for 72 hours. So on Saturday, we will be posting... On social media. I know I said Friday last week. Dre, shout out to Dre Driven. Shout out quick line. He's like, you said Friday. Because I'm so used to it being on Fridays. No, it is Saturday. We will talk on social media. But before then, we are definitely going to be talking on this episode about the show. So we have given you that last warning. We are going to deep dive into Loki. Episode 5, Journey into Mystery. In 3, 2, 1. Pad. What did you think? This was a really fun episode. I wasn't quite sure what to expect from it, you know, given the ending and kind of the questions of where the hell are they and where the hell are they going. But I really dug it. Man, I am really lost on this show, but it's a good lost. Because trying to figure out everything that's going on is really tough 
but mm-hmm. it's fun. Because where we jump in, we get the quick recap of what has happened with Tom Hilson's Loki and the variant Sylvie, who has definitely been winning over fans left and right. I mean, Sophia DiMartino has definitely made her presence felt on this show. Yeah. And their crime heist against the TVA has just been absolutely insane that now we're finding out the TVA, the Time Variant Authority, is not who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. And somebody's been pulling the strings of everybody there, whether it's been Ravona Renslayer, Hunter B-15, Miss Minutes. Yeah. Everything is not right as it seems. And no. obviously coming off last week's episode where Mobius, played by the one and only Owen Wilson, was taken off the board, Hunter B-15 had turned sides, and she has been played fabulously by Wumi Masaku. And we are now getting into more deep layers of Ravona Renslayer, played by Gugu Mathbara, and just seeing how everybody is just intertwined about the TVA and the history behind it and the future yeah. has been really fun. But after last week's episode where Mobius was taken out, Hunter B-15 was taken out, and Loki was taken out, uh-huh. it has really been a roller coaster ride because after the bonus scene where Loki wakes up in a void area that we don't know. I was sitting there trying to figure it out. Yep. I know I was struggling with it because you yep. see three versions of Loki. Yep. It was like, what the hell is going on? And I do like it that we just pick up right where we're left off. So we got the quick recap. We know where everybody is. And now Loki wakes up in this field where he's surrounded by the other Lokis. And it's very cool to see because we had the boastful Loki. Yep. We had kid Loki. Mm-hmm. And we had classic Loki. Yep. So we are now seeing that Loki is just not one variant. He is multiple ones. Wasn't Alligator Loki also there, too? Yes, which that was something I did not see coming. No. But tell me when you saw it on screen, you did not immediately go, this is going to be the next baby Yoda. I No, I, I didn't think that. Uh, I was more questioning, like, what the fuck, you know... Initially, oh, we can't get Frog Thor in this, which we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. This episode's chock full of Easter eggs. Holy shnikes. But I was just kind of like, I kind of want to see the universe where that one comes from. I just sat there and I saw, oh, my God, I'm seeing the Play Plush toys nah. coming out. Like I, for so It's harder to sell an alligator as opposed to this small childlike looking thing. But the more I'm thinking about it, and obviously we talked uh, a brief minute about how DC's coming out with their superhero pets yeah. movie animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying Marvel's not above doing it. And I was like... I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't put it past them. But seeing how this creature had won the episode over, I'm just saying if we start seeing plush toys come out, you heard it here first. Could be. Because we see the Loki core. I mean, that's how I deemed them yeah. up, up here. Yeah. And like I say, we see Diboli Aperoli who plays the boastful Loki. Yep. We see Jack Veal, who plays Kid Loki, and Richard E. Grant. Of all cl- people. Of all people playing classic Loki. Didn't have him on my bingo board as the next, like, left field uh, actor slash actress to make a Marvel appearance. No, definitely didn't have that one coming. Well, it was on the far, pretty far down on the board. Yes, and as we see that they're surrounding Tom Hiddleston, and our Loki is waking up going, like, what is going on here? He's got, what, what did he say in the episode? He's, like, got a, a 7,000 questions, and they don't have time to stop and answer them. Right, because we do see that there is a weird being that is flying around this area, which they deem the void. Now, when I first heard this, I, I got to admit, I was not happy hearing this. Okay. 
because anytime you say the void, I immediately thought the century. Mm, okay. And I and I'm sorry. The century is around the U.S. agent level of anger yeah. for characters. Yeah. I, I cannot stand the. Century. I mean, I just, I just kind of put it up to, hey, we need a name for this kind of like pocket dimension that's not really attached to anything. You can't really end up there if you just follow the natural progression of time, and just calling it the void is just this natural thing. I mean, okay, I, I can get that, but I don't know. It's just when I think Marvel and I hear that, I'm like, oh, please do not tell me that this thing is going to be the void, and we're going to see that Superman ripoff show up here sorry I, i'm gonna try holding in my anger about this because once we see that this creature is flying around the void and i'm going out on a limb to sink the last time we're gonna see it no definitely not who is named Eliath? Mm-hmm. we know that something is going on now for me i just started try going back in my head thinking more norse mythology like okay who is this is this one of the big creatures that's in north mythology right no no it's not it's uh, no, it's got a little bit to do, at least in the Marvel comics, with a certain villain that's upcoming in the Marvel universe, specifically Kang the Conqueror. Ooh, yeah. So a reading from an article courtesy of ComicBook.com. Uh, Alof, also known as Alof the Usurper, is regarded as the first being in Marvel comics to actually free itself from the flow of time. The powerful creature was able to dominate realities throughout the time stream, but it constantly got stuck at a barrier to Chronopolis, the home of Kang at, at, at end of time. So, yeah, he's got a little bit of history with Kang the Conqueror. All right, that's fair. Because I honestly wasn't sure. I was trying to think about Norse mythology, and I was thinking, like, yeah. somehow this is all tied in with Loki. Like, it's his interpretation of it, because time is definitely not the same for everybody here. Right. But as we see, they're trying to figure out, okay, what to do with this creature looming over him. We do get a quick shot back to Sylvie, who is confronting Ravona about what is going on. And this is kind of like an interesting ploy because this is where Ravona really is breaking down where Loki wound up mm-hmm. and saying, well, he's still here, but if you want to work with us, we might be able to work something out. And they kind of have like a little standoff where Sylvie does wind up realizing Ravona's trying to work her over mm-hmm. because she knows that if she can get Sylvie under control and in prison, then she can definitely go get Loki. And yeah. then, you know, the TVA secret is kept safe. Yeah. Even when she's having Miss Minutes stall for time yeah. looking for files. I, it was a very interesting scene, I have to admit. Because Ravona, Ravona's spinning a real big line of bullshit, and everybody can say it. Yeah, because when she's saying, okay, can you get the information about the end of time and the beginning of time and how we don't have everything on file, I'm sorry. This was tipped off from the first episode when yeah. Loki came through the TVA and every single word he's ever said in his life has been recorded. Including the ones he was saying right there in the room. Exactly. So the fact they're stalling, Sylvie picks up on this, and she knows that she is in trouble, so she does a, do a quick escape. Well, she's also a trickster, and you can't trick a trickster. Exactly. So it's a very cool scene, to, to how it plays out, because when Ravona's army comes in, Sylvie does the one thing logical. She winds up sending herself into the void. Yeah. Which, you know, I, you know she ain't gonna, uh, Ravona ain't going to send her there. Well, she wants to. Well, she wants to, but I don't think that she was going to send her to that one specifically. Like, or, I she, think, or she was going to wait. Yeah, I think Ravona is smarter than she's letting on, and she has an endgame in her own mind. So with Sylvie now off the board... The variants are running wild, and we go back to the void where we do see the Loki core. And like I said, that's the only easiest way I could describe it. That they are now going to their underground base to escape alive. Yeah. And this is where we see a lot of Easter eggs. 
Oh, yeah. So you want to break some of those down, Pat? Yeah, so just some of the episodes throughout the, you know, Easter eggs and or throughout the show in general. The first one of which is Christ in the title of the show, or the episode alone, Journey into Mystery, which, hey, that's a fun Easter egg because that's where Thor was first introduced in the mm-hmm. comics way back in 1962. Uh, some of the other Easter eggs you have throughout the episode. At one point, you do see a Stark-like tower from New York, except it says Quang Enterprises. Uh, so a reading courtesy of uh, ScreenRant.com. Uh, you know, in the episodes four post credits sequence, the ruins of Stark Tower can be glimpsed in the background behind Richard E. Grant and his fellow Lokis. But Journey into Mystery provides a closer look, revealing an Easter egg inside the Easter egg. Uh, to paraphrase Mobius, instead of the usual Stark of Avengers logo, the tower is adorned with Quang, which is a nod to Quang Enterprises, the company Tony Stark is sold to his famous tower to in the 2015 Avengers comic run. Mm. So fun little comic tie-in. Uh, the Aloth uh, Easter egg we mentioned. Uh, also, during the episode, you see Yellow Jacket's head. Yeah, I thought things. I saw that. Yeah, so in you, there. you catch that. We catch the ever elusive Thanos copter. Yes, there's a literal copter with Thanos' name on it. So hey, Thanos copter. Uh, you also, we also see Mjolnir at, yeah, at one point. We do see it as they're going down because they do show this. Uh, how everything's buried underground. And yeah. You can see Mjolnir's there. Yep, and right underneath Mjolnir in a glass jar is a frog. In Thor costume, f- ladies and gentlemen, Frog Thor. I marked out like a madman about this. Uh-huh, I did too. Because I'm like, oh my god, we're doing this. Because when, when we saw with Loki alligator, I'm like, wait, don't tell me we're going to try doing Thor Frog. Uh-huh. And then sure enough, you see him in that jar. I'm like, oh! Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Also, we see Roxy Wine, you know, which is a fun uh, callback to, you know, another Easter egg with Rocks Cart, you know, Rocks Mart, you know, Rocks On Corporation. Uh, and then usually, and then there's some other ones, but those were the kind of the major ones uh, with this. I mean, we do get an Ecto Cooler High C, uh, so, you know, Ecto Cooler High C shows up, which I was a big fan of that when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. I mean, they threw so many in there because once they're going down to the lair of the Lokis. I mean, what do you call that? The Loki cave? I don't know, but when we see the three the Lokis. Loki. Yeah, the Hall of Lokis. I'll run with that. Sure, that works for me. We do see they're down there, and Loki is trying to organize his plan with the Loki core. Mm-hmm. That's so weird saying, but it is what it is. Because our Loki is sitting around, and he's hearing all the stories coming out from the different Lokis. Like, we hear the boastful Loki is telling yeah. a story about you know how he beat Thor and Kid Loki is saying how he killed Thor. Yeah. Which that was a little wild Yikes. takes. And then classic Loki is the one that really stood out. Mm-hmm. Because he says, no, I escaped Thanos when he came and boarded the plane. Yeah. And he pulled the ultimate magician trick that he faked his own death. Yeah. And I think at one point, didn't you try pulling a knife out on him? And he essentially goes, what do you think I am, stupid? Yeah. No. I know. It was such a cool play. I was like, well said, because... When we see how old Loki, or I should say classic Loki, I don't like saying old Luke, figured out how to beat Thanos and escape, and he was just floating in space until he landed on a planet, and then basically his loneliness is the only reason he got picked up by the TVA, because when he tried leaving after years later, they realized that he was a man out of time. So it is a wild scenario to see play out. Mm -hmm. And then Loki is ready to explain what happens with him, but he is more focused on saying, well, this isn't gonna, how my narrative is going to end. Yeah. We can beat Olaf. We can go take over the TVA. Who's coming with me? And, and the, they're like, what are you, fucking nuts? And the three Lokis are like, yeah, are you crazy? Like, what are you doing? We survived this long. We don't need to risk Bare- anything. Barely. Yeah, barely. 
But then we see Tom Hiddleston is making a run for the door. And as he's climbing up the ladder to escape, lo and behold, who's waiting for him, Pat? President Loki. How cool is that? Oh, I marked out so hard. I did not realize he had the button on him that was President Loki when uh-huh. we've seen the commercials, but my God. Oh, like literally, if you look up the comic cover, the trade paperback cover for President Loki, and then hold that side. I'm sure there's an image of it already online, but see that image side by side with the President Loki we see on TV. Damn good job recreating that because. Oh, e- fantastic. Even down to the lo- slightly longer hair, you know, and just everything about it was a spot on recreation. Yeah, it was perfect kudos to the kudos to the costume department yeah like they don't get enough credit for all they're doing because and makeup for what they put together in this fantasy world they have nailed every costume spot on oh yeah so as we see president loki is now coming down and lo and behold he has cut a deal with boastful loki for the location so this is where everybody is now turning on each other and it's a cool sequence because i mean obviously tom hilson is playing president loki and he's having that argument with Boastful Loki, who's played by Rapari. Mm-hmm. This is just like they're balancing off each other back and forth because it is just true Loki 101. Yeah. Everybody's betraying everybody. And then lo and behold, Pat, what happens then? A fight ensues. Yeah, of course. And then this just got completely Kingsman style out of control. Just minus the free bird. Yes. I was going to say, this would have been a perfect time to really throw in a song. Yeah. I was surprised they didn't. I mean, obviously we had We Need a Hero from a couple episodes ago. This would have been the perfect time to throw in something, in my opinion. But I digress. While this is going on, we do see that Sylvie has now appeared in the void. And she does notice that Aleth is flying around. Mm -hmm. And she realizes, okay, something is wrong. And then notices, okay, we're seeing objects appear. Yep. And Aleth is running through them and absorbing them. Yep. Like, no, most notably when the battleship shows up. Yo, out of, like, World War Two. Yeah, which is wild. Yeah. And then just falls in the middle of the the field and immediately knows something's going on. They start firing cannons, and yet Aleth is running right through them. Uh, yeah, Aleth don't give no you-know-whats. And as it approaches Sylvie, there is a connection. So Sylvie starts going through the, her, her own memories. Yeah. Which is kind of a wild scenario, but then breaks free of Aleth. And as she's running away, she sees that there's a pizza delivery car coming right for her. That ain't, that ain't just no pizza delivery car. It's a Pizza Planet truck. You cannot tell me otherwise. Yeah. For those, for like the five of you who don't know, Pizza Planet is a brand chain of restaurants in the Toy Story films. Uh, you know, kind of like a pizza, pizza Hut, you know, Domino's, you know, Chuck E. Cheese, if you want to really think about it from the first Toy Story movie. Mm-hmm. But... Its delivery truck is a worn-down van truck-looking thing, which, hello, that's what this vehicle was. And on the roof of it is a rocket ship because Pizza Planet. Now, this wasn't a rocket ship on the uh, roof. It was a slice of pizza, but it was red and white, like in the Toy Story movies and all the Easter eggs in the various Pixar movies. See, I'm thinking this was a little little tip of the hat and a little nod to the P- Pixar films. And it definitely was. And lo and behold, who was driving it? Mobius. The one and only Mobius, played by Owen Wilson. So he winds up saving Sylvie. They wind up escaping. Then we get another flashback to Loki's crazy fight going on. He winds up escaping with Kid Loki, classic Loki, yep. and the alligator. Yep. So they're making their run. And when they do, they this is when they notice that... 
Mobius and Sylvia are coming towards them. You know, that, like because Loki is the only one who's very calm about this. Yeah. Classic Loki is kind of a little hesitant, but it's well, like because yeah, they're like, what is it? They're, they're like it's either cannibals, something, or pirate cannibals. Mm-hmm. Like either, like either in either instance, it's not good. Yeah, it's definitely not good. But what they do is they go, okay. Well, let's fight it head on. But Loki is running right towards it. And lo and behold, everybody is reunited. So this is kind of a cool moment that we have that after all this time, everybody's back together. Meanwhile, back at the TVA, Ravona's confronting B-15 and is sending Miss Minutes on a mission to find the TVA leader. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what we're expecting there, but the mystery is in, is going on back at the TVA headquarters still. So we go back to the void and we do find out that Mobius hands off, or he gets his time portal back, and he is going back to find Renslayer and take down the TVA. So that's kind of a cool thing. He's written off the show. A uh, very cool moment to see because yeah. he, he does have that heart-to-heart with Loki and even says to Sylvie, you're my favorite, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. from Tom Hiddleston, so that's a cool play. And we do have this moment of talk between Loki and Sylvie where it's almost like they're final goodbyes to each other. Like yeah. That's the kind of vibe I got. Yeah. Like, if we have no other chance to say it to each other, we're going to say what we have to say. And they do make it very quick because once they agree with the plan that Sylvia is going to enchant Eliath, yep. it's kind of game time. And we are going to have one shot to do this. Don't miss. So they're making peace with what is going on. We do see classic Loki and Kid Loki are kind of like, I don't know if we're going to be a part of this. Kid Loki does give our Loki a knife mm-hmm. as I would say like more of a short sword than a knife. Yeah, well, like I couldn't really tell because it was like it looked like it got bigger. Oh, he well, no, he no, he called it a knife, but when he held, handed it to him, like he pulled it out out of existence, like Loki typically does, mm. and he handed it to him, and I'm like, that's not a knife, that's a short sword. Yeah, like it, not I know, a full blown sword. It just it looked like it was growing. Like I don't know if Maybe. like just whoever holds it was making it, you know, grow bigger. I don't know. It's just something with the magic that I guess Maybe. it was possessing. Who knows. But as they're making their final play to go towards Elioth, we do see that Asgard is now growing. Yeah. The distraction that Loki originally was trying to do, because he's waving the sword at Elioth, it just wasn't taken on par, and Sylvia was getting ready to be eaten. And then, like I say, Asgard is just magically appearing, and lo and behold, classic Loki is resurrecting it mm-hmm. as the distraction. So Elioth is trying to... It looked like it was trying to eat the buildings. Yeah. And failing miserably because it realized, well, it was not the real Asgard. And this gives enough time, because with the distraction going on and classic Loki sacrifices himself. Yeah. It gives enough time for Sylvie and Loki to do what they planned on doing. So they take out the creature and open the doorway to, it appears, another realm. And this is where the episode ends because they're now walking to... Presumably another dimension, maybe the end of time. I'll say because there was something through the portal, I just couldn't make out what it was. Yeah, I was trying to think what it was too, and I was a little stumped by it. But it looks like it is the end of time, and whatever is going to be there. So whether they're going back to the TVA to fight everybody, maybe I don't know. But this episode had a lot of questions, a lot of cool Easter egg moments, and I think that's the biggest takeaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I say, we have Alligator Loki, Kid Loki, who we we've seen in the comics before, so that wasn't anything big shock. But Richard E. Grant's performance as classic Loki, I mean, that's the takeaway from this show, really stood out, really drove the point home that Loki might be a misunderstood villain in some cases, and we can see he can be heroic in times. And this was a perfect way to cap off this episode going into the final 
of season one because mm-hmm. we are presuming season two is a go. We've heard that is we don't know who's going to be the head of it, too, because we don't know if Tom Hiddleston's coming back. Or now we have a multitude of Lokis. True. Somebody else can slide in and take over the role. But, Pad, final thoughts on this episode and where you think we're going for the finale. Loved all the Easter eggs. Loved the entire episode. As for where we're going, I have zero idea. I've had zero idea this entire time, and I've loved every minute. This episode, like I say, was confusing but fun. Because there was a lot going on. The Easter eggs were spot on. Like I said, Thorfrog, sign me up. The only thing better would have been Beta Ray Bill. But I digress. We're going to get him in Guardians, I feel. So I can wait a little longer. But the performances from the cast really stood out. I mean, Tom Hiddleston is obviously crushing it every time he gets on screen. But Richard E. Grant was the performance stealer of this episode. Seeing classic Loki and going through his vision of basically the alternate timeline of Avengers Endgame was very, very telling. Alligator Loki, like I say, I'm not going to be surprised to start seeing that show up everywhere. I just have this odd feeling because, as we see, he was a quite popular character this episode by mm-hmm. biting off the hand of President Loki, too. Yeah. Like, we forgot to mention that. He he bit about three people yeah. in this entire episode. Yeah. But President Loki is the one he took out, so I have to wait and see if he winds up making a, another appearance down the road. But this was definitely a fun episode. A lot of questions going into the finale. I'm not sure where we're going to wind up. I'm assuming at the end of time, because that's the only thing that can happen. Probably. But then who is going to be the ultimate head of the TVA? Are we going to see Kang? I'm going to say no. I'm going to no. stick, I'm sticking to my guns. I'm going to say it's going to be a Mortis. I don't think we're going to see Kang. I know everybody is really hinting it, and rightfully so. This is not like a crazy Mephisto theory. Kang is going to be making his appearance sooner than later. We do know this. We know Ant-Man 3 is when he's locked and loaded to show up. But don't doubt a name drop. Don't doubt something to get fans hyped up to see him. And like I say, I'm not doubting we see a Mortis show up in some aspect in this next episode. But we're going to have to wait seven days to figure it out. But until then, hit us up on those hashtags. Hashtag ODPHpod. Post on Saturday. Like we say, give that 72-hour embargo for anybody who hasn't seen the episode. Let them chime in and definitely give us some feedback about this because there's a lot to digest with Loki Episode 5, Journey into Mystery. That all being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. So 2021 is upon us, and instead of flying cars and monkey robot butlers, we have a pandemic. We have media and making every little annoying twit of a child think they're going to be the next famous celebrity because they did some stupid trend they've seen somebody else doing nine million times we have people that are self-entitled and stupid and given a voice through social media constantly whining about how everybody else is the problem and how everyone else needs fixings we have celebrities lecturing us about how we have to give more so we can elevate everyone to a better life from the security of their seven-bedroom, multi-million-dollar estates. We have politicians lying to us that they're going to fix the situations we're in that they created in the first place. And then we've got me having the conversations that a lot of us are thinking but nobody's talking about. Because these things have to be said. I had to say at the podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast fix or at www.ihadtosayapodcast.com. Why don't you come listen to what I've got to say. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And man, Pad, it has been a hot minute. Mm-hmm. But it's time to preview a movie for the theaters. Yeah. And what better way to kick off the summer officially? Because I guess we could say Fast 9, but yeah. let's face it, 
there's one way we kick off the movies here on the ODPH, and that is talking some Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And finally. Christ almighty. It's been a long time. It's been a while. But we are finally here dropping this week in theaters Black Widow. Yeah. So this is definitely going to kick off the next phase theatrically of the MCU. Mm Mm-hmm. And we are getting the backstory of one Natasha Romanoff, played by Scarlett Johansson. And this has a lot of people guessing about what to expect. Because obviously we know in Avengers Endgame, Natasha sacrificed herself for for one of the Infinity Stones. She did. Yes. So where are we going from here? And this is now going to bridge the gap between Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. Yep. So we are going to get a backstory. And we do have some new players that are joining the team here. This is definitely going to have fans guessing and definitely excited about it. Florence Pugh is playing Yelena. Mm-hmm. David Harbour is playing the Red Guardian. Yep. Rachel Weisz is playing Melina Voskov. Mm-hmm. And we are going to have a couple of characters show up that we don't really know yet. Mephisto? You never know. Angela? I mean, could be. We do know Taskmaster. Oh, sorry, sorry, Agatha. Agatha could be. We do know the Taskmaster is going to be the main protagonist of the film. Yep. They haven't tipped off who is playing him yet. Yep. So this is going to be something that we're definitely excited about. But, Pad, let me know your initial thoughts. I mean, are you still excited about this movie? What is kind of the temp in the room? Because we know that this was originally supposed to come out a while ago, a long time ago. Obviously, COVID happened. They couldn't release it in theaters. Yeah. Going into this, are you still excited? Are you not? Like, break it down for us. I'm excited, but not as much as I normally am. And that's nothing against the director, the writer, any of the actors or actresses on the show. It's more at the heads of Disney and Marvel because for them to have had waited this long, you Mm -hmm. know, the film was originally supposed to come out 2020 and they kept pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back because of the pandemic and theaters were closed. I get that. But for them to have pushed it back, despite the fact that they had a method to put it out without theaters and Disney, you know, premier access, you know. You need Disney Plus, plus it's another 20, 30 bucks to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. They could have easily done it that way. So this movie should, you know, should have been worth the wait. You know, I hope it has been worth the wait because, and I'm not saying this has got to be like the next Citizen Kane. This doesn't have to be the next Dark Knight, you know, the great or Logan or any pick your, you know, number one favorite comic movie, but it, it better have been worth the wait. Because for them to have waited this long because, oh, this has to come out in theaters, this has to come out in theaters, this has to come out in theaters. Despite the fact that I'm fairly, I feel fairly safe in saying, if you went the Disney Plus Premier Access route, you could have very easily made your money back on this. Let's face it, it's Marvel. Few things move a needle like Marvel, maybe Fast and Furious, Bond, and Star Wars. But it's it's top five in terms of theater moving uh, needle movers. But you could, you know, so for them to have delayed it this long, I hope it was worth it. Because if this comes out as a stinker, and let's face it, Marvel, outside of Inhumans, hasn't really had a stinker mm-hmm. of a film. They've all been pretty good, some more so than others. But I haven't come out of a Marvel film in theaters going, damn, that's time I wish I had back. You know, there's always that possibility. You know, I hope it's not. You know, I hope it's I hope it's a great film, but for them to have waited this long and held to their guns that this has to come out in theaters, we can't put this out on Premiere Access first. This has to come out in theaters. It better have been worth the wait. I can hear you on that, and I think you make a lot of valid points because obviously when they tried 
and this is Disney doing theatrical leases on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. did not exactly get a rousing ovation from fans. I mean, to be fair, though, they didn't exactly put triple-A home run offers on the plate like a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. They did the Mulan remake, which, let's face it, not going to be a huge moneymaker in terms of, of, you know, making you money back on, on a film, you know, because it's a remake. We've seen the story already. There's not going to be any drastic changes to the story. You know, they did it with Cruella, which, you know, just full disclosure, I did watch Cruella on Disney Plus Premier Access. My girlfriend wanted to see it, and there mm-hmm. were there were no convenient showtimes in the theaters local for when we wanted to go see it. You know, so we I paid out the money when we watched it on Disney Plus. It was a great movie. But they didn't put out the AAA high caliber film on Disney Plus to really say whether Premier Access was a, a success or not. It's yeah, it's kind of a little telling that they really didn't make them big of a hype about it. But I guess I could also understand Marvel's point that when they want this film to show up, and obviously they know that they are one of the biggest franchises in all of Hollywood right now. Top five, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, it's almost like they know what they're worth, so to speak. Sure. And that's why they think they held on to it. Because as much as it would have been easy just to put it out and do that, I think that it's something that they just feel that confident in their brand Mm -hmm. that they didn't want to do that. And they figured, okay, well, if theaters open back up, because I mean, obviously at that time we didn't know what was going on. So I understand why they waited. And and obviously it did take a little luster off this film and the hype for it. Yeah. But I feel that they go, well, we're Marvel we have an almost 1,000 batting average. Mm-hmm. Almost. Yeah. We, we've discussed some of those uh, Man, foul balls they have. Cues. Yes. So I think, though, they were feeling, well, this one is deserving of hitting the theaters. And they really wanted to drive it home that they're really standing by the story and the performances and everything that this movie is going to be. Because we do know it's a prequel. Yep. We do know that we're going to have a new Black Widow that is introduced because if you mm-hmm. read the comics, and like I say, if you really want to uh, want to read the Itsy Bitty Itsy Bitsy Spider trade paperback okay. with Devin Grayson and J.G. Jones, like that is one of the best books you can pick up for the Black Widow. Sure, and that introduces Elena. Like it's a fantastic read, so you can definitely go pick that up. Is something that we know with Marvel that they want to really showcase the Black Widow character. Yeah. And really see what we're going to have here. Because obviously, we do know this is going to be bridging the gap. And we do find yep. out about Budapest. And we find out about a lot of the red in her ledgers that she's mentioned throughout sure. the movies. Because when she was introduced way back when in Iron Man 2, hardcore comic fans knew who she was. Oh, yeah. And we've seen her just grow her role throughout the MCU to where yeah. she's one of the biggest members of the Avengers. Right. And and if this is going to end up being Scarlett Johansson's swan song as the character, and I can see, I can see it being that, you know, just because... She doesn't strike me as the type that wants to keep doing the same role forever and ever and ever. That you know, she likes to diversify herself and do a bunch of different roles in a bunch of different genres. You know, if this is going to be the swan song, as you know, uh, Agent Romanoff, you mm-hmm. know, Black Widow. You know, you got a you got a few loose ends you got to tie up, and so it only makes sense to tie up those loose ends. Oh, I agree with you. I think that this is going to be an interesting story because we do get her backstory. We're going to find out about the entire Black Widow program, yeah, and we're going to have like a lot of time jumping in that aspect. But we're also going to see the passing of the mantle, mm-hmm. and then obviously we know what happened in Avengers Endgame. But yeah. if you know anything about comics, only one character ever stays dead forever, and that's Ben Parker. Yeah, well, for Marvel, yes, yeah. I mean, for DC, well, they've had a couple of their state yeah. for now, but yeah. you know, it's something with comics that you can never say never with a character, and especially in Black Widow, where they did 
tease about there is a way to bring her back if they want to bring back yeah. Natasha Romanoff. Yeah. They can easily do that. They've done it in the comics, so it's not going to be a complete oh, yeah. curveball yeah. thrown and, at and you. you. And your point about Doth is right in comics, and I got to give credit. I can't remember what site did it, but they were talking about something that happened in a Marvel comic this past week. And they said, listen, death in comics is nothing to really you know get upset about. It's a revolving door. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That's a perfect way to put it. You're oh. out the door, and hey, you're right back in. The one great thing about comics is if you have a great team creating them, it doesn't matter what happens in the story as long as it's presented correctly. You can basically do anything you want and it'll make sense. We've seen case in point throughout history that if you bring certain characters back, i.e. Bucky Barnes, i.e. Jason Todd. I was just going to say that. You can bring certain characters back, and if the story is good, fans are great with it. Oh, yeah. If it's a quick dip in the Lazarus pit, though, yeah, that's like a throwaway moment, they're not going to connect as much. But if you bring back a great character with a great story, pair it with a fantastic art, you're going to win over fans, and they're not going to be upset. I'll be honest with you. The first time when I heard Winter Soldier was coming back, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Bucky is back? Yeah. But that is arguably my favorite Captain America story of all time. I love the Winter oh, yeah. Soldier story. Yeah. I, I even think of uh, Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker, where in that animated film, Joker's supposed to be dead. That you know he's not around anymore. And obviously, the Joker cr- 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 uh, crime crew is a bit of a no pun intended joke of its former self. Mm-hmm. And just the way they bring him back in that movie, and I don't want to spoil it because it's a great movie. You know, it's just like, oh, this is awesome. I'm here for this. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing. If you have a great creative team, the playbook is wide open. I mean, if there is a great team that is working and can say, okay, we can find, figure out a way to bring Uncle Ben back. Okay, I'll give you that shot. It might not work, but hey, if yeah. you have a great story, run with it. Because if, if, if it makes sense, people will be okay with it. And that's the fan base. I mean, because we get very vocal when f- characters are killed off. And we all say we want to see certain characters come back. Like, remember when they killed off Wolverine a couple years ago? Yeah, they, they encased his entire body in liquid adamantium. Yeah, but they found a way to bring him back. Pretty sure it was inside and outside, now that I think about it. Yeah, that was just not one of my favorite stories, i got to admit. No, I mean, they spoiler alert, he lost his healing factor, so he was going to die eventually. Just, he got encased in liquid adamantium first. Yeah, but they found a way to bring him back, and then, you know, everybody's happy because it's Wolverine. Unless I, like I say, they've killed off Superman in the comics, folks. Yeah. If you can kill off Superman and yet bring him back and it's still one of the best stories in comics, yep. you can't be mad about it. And then, like I say, with Black Widow, they can do the same thing if they want to. Obviously, Natasha's still in the comics. Yep. So, And they did explain how she did survive in the comics, too. So, like I say, if you read enough, you'll be able to figure out how. And that's what I think they're going to be doing in here. So I guess I could say a little spoiler alert. I'm not doubting that we hear something about clones no just gonna throw that i'm, out I'm there. guessing we'll see something regarding the future of the black widow moniker in the mid-credit scene i agree too because i think that that'll be present time yeah i like i wouldn't be surprised if you know we get to the mid-credit scene and whoever's going to take over the role is sitting in their house apartment cottage villa whatever it is mm-hmm. and they're watching the news and it's talking about what had happened with Endgame and, you know, the Avengers and Thanos and this and that, and just like kind of like a new, a new story. And then like some sort of like alarm or message pops up and just like that kind of, and it's just like a picture of the Black Widow logo. 
Yeah. They go, oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see that, or you'll see the TV's on in the background, and they'll be mentioned about Blackwood, and you'll see, like, Scarlett Johansson turn around from a chair. Yeah. It'll be something like that. Like I say, we'll get a lot of Easter eggs to explain if they want to bring her back. Like I say, I don't know if they'll exactly do the comic version, but if they have a great way to do it, by all means. But even if they want to pass the torch to Elena and take a different route than they do in the comics. That's my, that's who my money's on. I'd be okay with that, because I think that when this film was originally supposed to come out, yeah, it was supposed to come out before Falcon Winter Soldier. Correct. We do know that Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character mm-hmm. is slated to be in this film. She was supposed to be in it. Yep. So we're assuming that she still might be. Yeah. She might be putting together Dark Avengers. Mm. She might be putting together Thunderbolts. Then Yelena would be a member of that team. That's my so early prediction. You look at what she was doing in Falcon Winter Soldier. Just, yeah. Just saying. I mean, anything is possible with that. I mean, that's the one great thing about this. That we've seen a lot of the previews and we've seen a lot of the movies so far. But they haven't really deep dived into the story. Yeah, and you got to give them credit, too. Like, we've seen a lot of trailers. We've seen a lot of TV spots. But in terms of, but it's all kind of like the same stuff and plot points. You know, kudos to them, and I, you know, kudos to, you know, because the James Bond films in the same boat, where like two major movies, two tentpole movies, and we really don't know the meat of the story. Right. As long as these movies have been in development, and as long as we have been waiting for, you know, both Black Widow and the Bond film, we really don't know the the real nitty gritty of the story. Yeah. And I'm completely fine with that. And I think that Marvel has been smart about this, too. They haven't given away everything. We just know it's Black Widow. We do know it's Marvel. We do know that there are certain expectations to be hit about this. I think they're going to. I think this movie did look great from the original trailers. I was excited about it, seeing oh, yeah. the, seeing Scarlett Johansson drop in from the sky yeah. scene. The, that action sequence looks Jumping absolutely dope. Yeah, it looks amazing. I'm like excited to see what we do. We do have yeah. the, the quick humor from David Harbour. But, oh, of course. But I'm sorry. If you know him, you know he's going to slide something yeah, in there. David Harbour. Yeah, exactly. So we do know that they do have that humor in there. Obviously, with Marvel and the Disney yeah. formula, you're going to have that. Yeah. But this film is going to have enough that I think is going to tie it over. And like even with all the luster taken off, I think for fans to, that are now starting to go back to movie theaters as they're opening up more mm-hmm. from every state, and everybody has different regulations. So... I just know that with this film coming back and we see the success of Fast 9, yeah, people are starting to go back to movie theaters. Oh, yeah. And with Marvel, this is what they've been waiting on. So a lot is riding on it. And I think that after the first week, it'll be interesting to see about the box office numbers. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be good. I think they're going to debut very high. It's tracking well from what I've seen. Right. But I think the second week is going to be interesting because with everybody that didn't want to go originally – because the luster is worn off and they think they've seen everything in the trailers. And that's an honest statement. And I don't, sure. if anybody says that, sure. I don't argue with them because you know what? You're right. But I think that second week buzz is what's going to carry over. And I think that'll be the bigger telling point of the story. Because if the film just drops right off, then you'll know that there was a problem with the movie. And then everybody will be saying, well, you should just put it on Disney. Plus. If it's a big win and it's a really good film, I don't think anybody's going to complain. No. I think everybody's going to say Marvel did the smart thing. And even though they had to reshuffle their lineup, because we now have four films coming out this year. Which is nuts. It's absolutely insane. But you know what? Marvel has been the brand, and until they misfire badly, we can't really say they're doing something wrong. We do know that after this, Shang-Chi is coming out in September. Yep. We do know Eternals, which is the biggest X-Factor of all, is coming out in November. Mm-hmm. And we do know that Spider-Man Far From Home is coming out in December. Yep. A lot to be excited about. 
for Marvel, but it kicks off right with Black Widow. Yeah, well, there was a bonkers statistic that I saw the other day that, like, there's, like, 2,000 or 3,000 minutes in the entire Infinity Saga, and by the end of this year, Marvel will have met that that entire, like, minutes. or Like, it's something bonkers like that, just, like, all the content they put out this year will equal the total number of minutes from the entire Infinity Saga. That's insane. Oh, it's nuts. That's just freaking wild. But Marvel, like I say, they know what they're doing, and a lot is riding on them. If this comes out and this falters for whatever reason, fans are going to let them know. And then I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on Shang-Chi to deliver. Even though I think that that's going to be a fun movie. Oh, God, yeah. And like I say, everything we've seen about it, I know we didn't deep dive into the second trailer, but they're planting enough Easter eggs to really connect it to the MCU. That's going to be a good movie, I feel. Oh, yeah. The only one that I'll tell you right now I'm I'm very skeptical of right now is Eternals. But, well, and you've said that before. Yeah, I've said that multiple times. And I'm not saying it like I'm angry about the movie. I'll be there opening night. But for me, I was very skeptical about when they announced this as a film project because they don't have that history with the characters that have sustained a long comic run that fans are screaming to go see it. Black Widow has had certain comic runs in her career. In the, in the MCU. But she's always tied to the Avengers. So it's not like the character has never been featured in comics. And like I say, there's been some great Black Widow stories. Like I said, the Mark Waits, Chris Stamney run, fantastic. Definitely should go read that one. But there's so much you can def- definitely get into the character about. And seeing where her popularity is going to be ranking to. Like this is going to be one of the biggest films of the year, oh, yeah. I feel. So even with the luster gone, it still looks like a fun movie. I'm still excited about it. Yeah. And obviously it feels like we're getting back to normal going to the theaters again because Marvel is going to be there. And everybody's going to be talking about that post credit scene, whatever it's going to be. And I'm already going to tell you right now, my early prediction, we're either going to see Scarlett Johansson turn around in a chair that we all thought, wait, she's dead, but she's back. Or we're going to see Julia Louise Dreyfus's character talking to Elena. That's my early two predictions. But let's see which one that happens. But final thoughts on Black Widow before we go to the theaters? Can't wait to see it. Excited for the post credit scenes. Yes. And I'm guessing there's two. I'm guessing, too. I think Marvel's going to come back and load something up here. And maybe, just maybe, we might get that Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Maybe. I would not doubt that, that we've all been waiting to see it. Slide that into the Black Widow th- kickoff. Pfft. Read about it. I'm sold about this movie. I think this is going to be a definite hit. If you're a big fan of the Captain America movies, I think it's going to be the same kind of espionage action thriller that we've seen. Not Maybe kind of parodying the same vein of the Winter yeah, Soldier. Yeah. Obviously borrowing different stories, but I think there's a lot to be excited about with this. The action sequences look dope. We know what we're getting with Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff. We do know that a new character is going to introduce to the MCU. And we get Taskmaster, who they've been pushing very, very hard to really get over to the mainstream crowd. Obviously, we saw him in the Avengers video game. Mm-hmm. A lot to be excited about to go to the movie theaters. And like I said, that second week number is going to be the bigger one to talk about. But you know we're going to have a lot to say about it on next week's episode. Mm-hmm. So until then, hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. Black Widow is hitting theaters this week. Are you going? Are you excited? Let's talk about it. There's no embargo about that. We can definitely get into that conversation. But we're going to take a quick break first. We'll be right back. Hey guys, my name is JT. What's up everyone, I'm Darren. Hey, what's up guys, I'm Josh. Hey guys, I'm Christian. Hey, what's up y'all, this is Dominic and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. 
Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And there was an episode of The Flash this week that ah. we need to discuss. Okay. Because an old friend returned to the show. Yes. And we have to kind of deep dive into this episode a little bit. Because I, you, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know we're very critical of The Flash. Mm-hmm. It's one of our most polarizing topics of late yeah. on the ODPH. It can be a great hero when written well. Just lately, not so much. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Season 7 has had a lot working against it i guess yeah i mean obviously we we know that covid production or covid has halted production and and such just the all the yeah the issues of the last year yeah so i i fully take that into perspective so i'm not criticizing them about that obviously but seeing how the flash has really been trying to find its way yeah has just been really it's it's been struggling for me as a as a fan oh yeah because it has such a deep rogues gallery oh god yeah and they just don't touch upon it enough no I mean, now they really don't. I'll, I'll just speedster, speedster, speedster. Like, okay, he's got more villains than just people who run. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. So when they start going into the more recent rogues, yeah, it's just not connecting because right. they're just not over enough. Right. And I and I get for some of his rogues, you know, especially Gorilla Grodd comes to mind that mm-hmm. they might not be able to do a full season of just because you know it gets a little expensive, you know, for depending on how long the, that character is on screen. Still got other ones that don't require CGI. Yeah. It's a kind of a little interesting thing to see unfold here because with The Flash, it's, it was at one point CW's best DC show. Oh, God, yeah. One of their best shows on the, on the network, period. And it just seems like we hit this point with the CW shows, in my opinion, that we start faltering as we start hitting over season five. Uh-huh. And I know that they, they've tried introducing different villains, and obviously the most recent one with the black hole organization just was not clicking on any yeah. fronts. It just kind of really watered things down in my a little, opinion. A little too recent of a comic villain to do in the show. But however, they did bring in Godspeed who for most recent Flash comics has really stood out as a villain. Oh yeah. So I'm not mad about that even though yet again another speedster. Yeah. But I'm willing to kind of temper my expectations a little bit. Sure. And kind of really see okay, what are we doing here because we only have 3 episodes left in the season. Yep. And they're definitely teasing a lot with this episode, but like we said, we had an old friend return, so we are going to start deep diving into episode 16 of The Flash, entitled P.O.W. So if you don't want any spoilers, we'll give you fair warning now, but we're going to start talking about it in 3, 2, 1. So we get the return of the one and only John Diggle mm-hmm. back to the show, played by David Ramsey. About damn time. Yeah, and obviously a lot has been question mark about him because we did see... Yeah. He did maybe there possibly a, there was a certain scene. Yes, at the end of Arrow. Yes, uh, where he may or may not, you know, I'm saying may or may not legal reasons, uh, may or may not have uh, opened a box or I forget what's happened. It's Christ, it's been I think two almost two years at this point. Um, saw a green light, something hit the ground and it was glowing green, which you know, given the rumors of his character for a while, that oh they're building him to be. Uh, Green Lantern, uh, one would assume he found a green ring. Yes, but does not use it here. 
So it's because reasons. It's reasons, and I know they kind of touch upon it a little bit because they did show it later in the show, which I'm like, quit toying around with us. Like, give us John Diggle, Green Lantern already, damn it, because he would be phenomenal in that role. Mm-hmm. But we do go back to where Barry is having visions of his daughter from the future, Nora, but now it's she's warning him about something is happening. And we do know that Godspeed is lurking around. Obviously, we saw the clones appear last episode, which, yet again, kind of a little puzzling, but I know they're doing some slow building about it. So I'm not mad about it. But we see that Diggle has arrived and is trying to really figure out what's going on with Godspeed and all the clones. And lo and behold, we figure out that they are now on a mission to find the original Godspeed, August Hart. Mm-hmm. So it comes into this play that Barry now knows, okay, what is going on? But they're saying they basically want to alter the timeline by killing him now so he doesn't appear in the future. Obviously, we know one thing about Barry, Pad. He doesn't kill. This is true. So, since he's not doing that, there becomes the conflict. And then Diggle does say, you know, you really should go check on Nora. If you're having all these visions, figure out what's going on. But doesn't get that chance to do it because the clones show up, fighting ensues. And it gets a little kind of crazy. And we do see that Iris is taken off the board. She is getting protected from everything going on. Because mm-hmm. that's been something that they've been teasing about this entire season. Is Iris pregnant? And obviously what is going on there? So she's taken out of the episode. We do have the backstory going on with Allegra and Ultraviolet. And now she's being uh, reformed as a hero. and and I'm Because that's worked before. Yeah, I mean, like I understand the point of it. And I'm not mad about it. It's just kind of like... All right, yet again, we're having another hero on the show, and the cast is already very crowded with heroes. Yeah. It takes away from focusing on everybody's individual story. It's a lot. And I'm sorry, like, I love to see team shows. Don't get me wrong, but this is not a team show. It should be The Flash and a couple other supporting characters. Oh, sure. The core the core, uh, uh, Star Labs crew, and then Iris would make sense. You know, Joe pop in from time to time. I get it. Yeah, I mean, that would make a ton more sense. But then again, we go back to the situation where we're just having so many people involved that it's starting to get really confused into what's going on. And it takes away from the show, in my opinion. Like, it just it really throws everything off. But we do have, like, they're having their backstory going on that Ultraviolet is now joining the team. And obviously, they're sitting there and they're trying to take care of the other black hole remnants. That sure. they're, they're falling here. And Allegra is not wanting to get involved, but it kind of forces their hand to do it. And during this whole point, Ultraviolet gets killed off. And it's kind of like a weird scenario that's going on because whatever Vary is doing with this whole Godspeed war is just affecting everybody. Right. And like I say, just with every like character going on, it's tough to even keep up because you're trying to give enough time to everybody that you understand all the individual stories. Like I even touched upon what happened with Joe because that was supposed to be the cliffhanger. Right. And he escapes that somehow. And it turns out that his partner there had somebody else that was working that has now become immortal, creaky, and basically is saying, well, you know, I have this power. Why should I have responsibility? End of story there because they have this standoff where Joe talks Kramer out of killing him. It's like I say, you don't have enough story. That's yeah. like, it wasn't enough for me to get really invested. And I'm just going like, okay, well, that was a waste of time in my opinion, and it's nothing against the acting on the show. I do like the cast. I just sit there and go, like, why did we focus on just this little part here, and yet we're not really getting a payoff? 
And like I say, it's nothing against the actors on the show. I think Jesse L. Martin is a fantastic actor. I just wish I had more time to develop that story that I got invested in. Right. But I was jumping around so much because trying to figure out what's going on with Ultraviolet, and now we've taken her off the board because she's been taken out. It's just like, okay, what are we doing here? It's just too much. Because even when all this is going on and Barry's having the, the standoff with Godspeed, we see the Diggle is now having like these weird headaches and he's having like just this vertigo happen. Not yeah. the vertigo we know from the show. Right. But it's now something that he's getting affected on. Cecile is checking on him now as well using her telepathy and she's now picking up on it. And he basically says, well, I came here to help you, but now I have to leave because I've been quote, quote, putting something off. Mm. And they show a flashback to what? The ring mm. scene, allegedly. So he takes off, but he gives Barry the pep talk he needs to go figure out what's going on. And when Barry starts getting motivated again, because now he's, again, down on his luck. He can't beat Godspeed. Unfortunately, like we've seen this before. You're right. It's a rehash. And I hate seeing that. Like I say, I'm a big fan of this show, but it's like I've been here before. And like I say, it's nothing against the cast. I think they do an amazing job. Grant Gustin is my Barry Allen. There's no question about that. But now it's like, all right, we've already done this before. Now you have to find your hope when you haven't had any hope left. I'm sorry, you're supposed to be the guy in this universe that is the symbol of hope. Like, I understand it's supposed to be Supergirl and Superman, obviously with what they represent too. But we all know in this universe, it's always been the Flash. He's always Mr. Optimistic. But he goes through these moments where he's questioning everything, and then he's down. But then we see that Nora has now shown up. Right. And she didn't come alone. We finally get an introduction to a character that we have heard about for a while. And we finally see him on screen. Mm-hmm. You know who that is, Pat? No. Impulse. Oh, okay. So we finally see Bart Allen, who is Barry's son from the future, show up. So now they are teasing going into the season finale. It's going to be a two-part episode. Heart of the Matter is what it's called. And it's basically the Flash family versus Godspeed. Because okay. during this time, they have now found the real August Hart, who is Amnesia. And basically, that is all that Caitlin was working on the entire episode, was getting his memory back. And now he does, but he doesn't remember anything about being Godspeed. So who is really working who in this situation? This is like the backstory going in. But now we see the next week's episode is going to have Impulse, Nora. We do see the return of one and only Jay Garrick coming back to the show. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see everybody back in the building. Which is great. Like it's I said, really cool. I'm not mad about it, but it's kind of like, okay, we have so much going on, and it's just tough to really keep up with everybody. Mm-hmm. Because right then and there, we've had four stories going on in this episode, and it doesn't seem like everybody's getting equal time. And especially when you have the big introduction of John Diggle coming back, it should have been like, okay, why are we just going to do this? Say, okay, he's here, but then he's having these headaches, and he's got to go away. Right. Unless he's coming back with the ring. Like I say, it's kind of a frustrating episode, even though I was more excited to see him return. Because, like I said, David Ramsey's awesome. I love seeing him on screen as John Diggle. And when he becomes John Stewart, it's going to be even better. You heard it here first. But just to see that, like, this episode was just had a lot of hype to it. And just we get, I don't know, just a retread of, like, what we've seen before with The Flash. I don't know, Pad. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, seems like a rehash, and I'm not down with that. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those situations where it's like, okay... We know we're going into season eight. That's already been greenlit. We have seen that certain characters are coming back. Mm-hmm. We've seen some contracts that resigned. Jesse L. Martin's coming back. Danielle Panabaker's coming back as Caitlin. 
Uh, the rest of the cast, I'm not sure 100% about certain uh, contracts, but mm-hmm. we'll have to see as they come. But I would imagine that with next season, we're gonna, lots going to be going on the flash. And especially for season eight, we really got to kind of fine-tune what's happening here because they have such a great rogues gallery. We're yet again introducing another speedster. And granted, I'm not mad about seeing Impulse hit the screen. I'm really not. Right. But yet again, we're really loading up the cast. I don't know. Like for me as a fan, I'm just not really vibing off it that much. Yeah. That's, that's just yeah, me. It's kind of hard to get into. Yeah, it's just really tough for me to really sink my teeth into with a story because, like I said, you had so much going on this episode with Joe and his story. You had the whole ultraviolet thing, which I'm sorry, I wasn't even connected to. And now that she's gone from the show, it's like, well, okay, that happened. And then you have, obviously, what's going on with Barry and then the whole August Heart mystery. Mm -hmm. That's four stories within an hour. Something has to give there. And like I say... I will be checking out the season finale coming up next week. I'm going to make a point to do that. Obviously, Superman and Lois is back, so you know I'll be watching that on Tuesday night. Yep. But going into this, I got to admit, I'm not exactly as amped as I should be going into it. No. And it's it's tough. Like I say, I'm not trying to really bash the show, but I'm just saying, for my in my opinion, I think that they really need to kind of finish on a stronger note and then next season come out lightning blaring and just really run with the ball. Because this show can do it. It's definitely talented enough. But just in my opinion, just this wasn't enough to really excite me to go into the finale. But I'm going to go there, check it out anyway. That being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What's your thoughts about the latest edition of The Flash? Let's let's have that conversation. Show me, did you check it out? If not, why? You know what? Seriously, I don't mind hearing that feedback about it. And are you excited about seeing Bart Allen finally make his appearance in the CW universe? I am, actually, but I'm not as amped up going into the season finale as I should be. But let me know what you think. Definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got for those one shots? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, the first of which being something that was announced today on the J.R.R. Tolkien Facebook page. Yes, there is a Facebook page for J.R.R. Tolkien, even though he's been dead for quite some time. Uh, but it's run by the estate. Uh, it was announced, uh, quote, We are delighted to announce that Andy Circus is returning to Middle-earth in the brand new unabridged audiobook of J.R.R. Tolkien's masterpiece, The Lord of the Rings. This magical new recording arrives in September, but here's a sneak peek behind the scenes. Uh, the audiobook will be released in three parts. Pre-order the Fellowship of the Ring here, and then there's a link. Uh, so, And there's a cool clip, which I would play a bit of audio here, but, well, the Tolkien estate is notorious for being not so friendly about that kind of stuff, so I'm not even going to risk it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can check it out on, like I said, uh, if you go to Facebook and search uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, if you look for a little blue check mark, you should find it there. But if you're not on Facebook for whatever reason, uh, it's facebook.com slash official Tolkien. You can check out the video there. I'm sure it'll be on Twitter, YouTube, you know, uh, TikTok. It'll be everywhere. Highly recommend you check it out because obviously Andy Serkis is reading it. He will be doing the Gollum voice for the Gollum parts, and that is one of the that is the clip they feature. Uh, because fun story, uh, I want to say it was middle part of last year, some point last year. Uh, Circus for charity did do a reading nonstop front to back of the Hobbit, mm-hmm. you know, that he read and he did the Gollum voice for the Gollum portion of the Hobbit. 
Uh, they eventually then took that audio and then released it as an audiobook while he's returning to do the ho- the, the Lord of the Rings, which, uh, Lord, you're going to get me to buy the audiobook again because I love hearing Andy Serkis do that Gollum voice because th- 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 that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. When I heard the clip you played, I was like, oh, my God, man. This yeah, he's doing, he's doing back. full-fledged uh, Gollum voice. Uh, moving on to some other news. Got a trailer uh, yesterday for the final chapter of the upcoming uh Transformers War for Cybertron Kingdom, uh, which, as has been teased in, well, the toy leaks have let out. We will be seeing the return of the Beast Wars characters, some, not all. Uh, holy shit, this trailer's amazing. Uh, if you are a fan of the Beast Wars like I was, these I was a little skeptical of how they do this because I know what the comics uh, run they've been doing, which is fan-fucking-tastic, might I say. They kind of took a modern approach with the look on the comics, so I was afraid they might do that with mm-hmm. it. They might take a more modern look of, the, of the, how the Beast Wars Transformers looks, but no, they are as accurate to how they looked on that original uh, 3D animated cartoon way back in the 90s, just with modern look because technology has improved just a little bit since <laughs> since the mid-90s. Uh, but I am super excited for this. I cannot wait. It is dropping, I believe, on Ju- uh, July. Yeah, July 29th on Netflix. I cannot fucking wait. Yeah, I definitely got to check this out. The animation looks absolutely great on this. Oh, it looks amazing. Uh, and then uh, last week, we finally got uh, the first look at the upcoming Disney Plus Star Wars show Visions, uh, which is arriving on Disney Plus on September 22nd. Uh, and Visions, and I'm reading from the StarWars.com uh, news article, uh, Star Wars Vision storytelling didn't have to fit in the timeline. Uh, in developing the series, Lucasfilm made the decision to let creators tell the stories they wanted to tell, whether uh, they featured established or original characters, without a need to tie into the larger chronology. Quote, we really wanted to give these creators a wide creative berth and to explore all the imaginative potential of the Star Wars galaxy through the unique lens of anime. Uh, we realized we wanted to we wanted these to be as authentic as possible to the studios and creators who are making them uh, made throughout made through their unique process in a medium they're such experts at. So the idea was this is their vision riffing off all the elements of the Star Wars galaxy that inspired them, hopefully to make a really incredible anthology series unlike anything we've ever seen before in uh, the Star Wars galaxy. So, and some of the uh, so the studios behind the uh, Star Wars Visions uh, making these uh, short films. You know, not sure how long they're going to be, but you've got uh, Kamikaze Duga making the Duel, Gino Studio or Twin Engine making Lop and Ocho, uh, Studio Colorado Twin Engine making Tatooine Rhapsody, uh, Trigger doing both the Twins and the Elder. Kinema Citrus making The Village Bride, Science Saru making Akakiri, and T.O.B. One, and then Production IG making The Ninth Jedi. Uh, So you can check out the uh, video they put out on the Star Wars YouTube channel or just search Star Wars for it. This looks really awesome. And I, I was already on board with this, but I'm even more sold on this now. This threw me for a loop when I saw it because... Uh I genuinely did not know how to react to it. I'll be honest with you. Like Yo, I, had sure. to, I had to watch it a couple times because sure. 
I never think about like anime and such with the Star sure, Wars universe. Sure, I know there was a, uh, they did the original trilogy in manga form mm-hmm. back in the '90s, and I read a couple of those, which is really cool. But I I always knew Visions was going to be different and out there, just because I can't remember if it was called Visions or Visionaries. I thought it was Visionaries. Yeah, it might be Visionaries, but it's kind of like a riff off of Visionaries, where Visionaries was a comic line back in the day where it was kind of like a Marvel What If scenario. Which spoiler alert trailer for that coming soon. Ooh. Um, but Visionaries was kind of like a what if for Star Wars, you know, what if Darth Vader survived at the end of Return of the Jedi, mm. which, you know, you give you see Vader in an all white suit, which is really fucking cool. You know, what if Luke died on Hoth? You mm. know, what if Darth Maul survived on Naboo? Because at the time the com- those comics were written, Darth Maul hadn't come back to life yet. And while they borrowed that look. Uh, for the show you know it was a really fun look and i oh, and i always figured i'm like all right this isn't going to be anything we're used to this isn't going to be anything you know taking some of the comics or books and just adapting them into something for this you know tv screens i knew this was going to be something wild i just didn't realize how wild this was going to be yeah i mean it looked absolutely amazing just like watch like i said i needed to watch it about three or four times because yeah. it was just like it wasn't clicking at first i'm, sure. I'm not gonna lie about it but now I'm very interested to go check this project out. Oh, yeah. So definitely have to keep my eyes out for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we got some an announcement uh, and a deal announced between Universal Filmed Entertainment, Filmed Entertainment Group and Peacock. Uh, reading from an article on, uh, on IGN, it says, Universal Filmed Entertainment Group and Peacock have announced a new licensing agreement that will bring the studio's theatrical slate to streaming faster than before. Beginning in 2022, Universal Films will become available exclusively on Peacock no later than four months following their theatrical debut. The accelerated window between theatrical and streaming will cover uh, films from Universal, Focus Features, Illumination, and DreamWorks Animation. This means that films like Jurassic World Dominion, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Minions, The Rise of Gru, and the latest original movie directed by Jordan Peele will hit Peacock within four months of their big screen uh, bows. Uh, the new agreement accelerates what is called the pay one window, which uh, would traditionally span six to seven months before the pandemic. However, Universal and Peacock's deal uh, features some nuances about streaming exclusivity. For the first and last four months of the 18-month pay one window, Universal movies will be exclusively streaming on Peacock. They will be made available for other partners uh, for the 10 months in between, though those partners have not yet been disclosed. So this isn't entirely a surprise. You're seeing a lot more studios get involved with this. I know Disney's done this. Uh, HBO Max, HBO, you know, Warner Media has done this. Uh, I know, what is it? Um, you're, you're seeing this with these guys now. but And this wasn't entirely a surprise because, well, if you hadn't been able to figure out Universal kind of owns Peacock because NBC Universal. Yeah. Universal. Yeah. So this was it. But it makes all the sense in the world. You know, I it's one of the most painstaking things for us as movie fans, you know, that we go see a movie like an Avengers Endgame, you know, where it's got moment after moment after moment that you just want to go home and rewatch right now. So, you know, you want to see it again. But you had to wait six to nine months for it to hit blu-ray dvd even vhs back in the day before you could see it and now you ain't gotta wait that long yeah it's definitely interesting to see how this is going to play out i mean it makes sense for universal to do this oh absolutely so you know what i i'm not super shocked by it and obviously 
to get more content on a streaming service, all the better. Yeah. Uh, and then we got an announcement from a new Assassin's Creed game from Ubisoft. And normally I'd be excited about this, but I'm not excited about this. Really? Yeah. So Ubisoft has formally announced that Assassin's Creed Infinity is in development. And this is from the article on IGN. Uh, providing some extra details about the teams working on the project, although not confirming its structure or any gameplay details. In a joint statement from the managing directors of Ubisoft Quebec and Montreal... Uh, Natalie Bouchard and Christophe Duren, the new development uh, is introduced as, quote, an up in important upcoming early in development project codenamed Assassin's Creed Infinity. While no further details were revealed about what form Infinity will take, the language def def uh, definitely appears to point to a project bigger than a single game with Infinity described as... Uh, and as reported by Bloomberg, the project will be worked on by, quote, a new cross-studio collaborative structure made up of the Montreal and Quebec teams. Uh, the creative leads at each studio will be Quebec's Jonathan Dumont, who worked on Assassin's Creed Syndicate and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and Montreal's Clint Hawking, who worked on Far Cry 2, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, and Watch Dogs Legion. Uh, going on to say, quote, rather than continuing to pass the baton from game to game, reads the statement, uh, we profoundly believe this is an opportunity for one of Ubisoft's most beloved franchises to evolve in a more integrated and collaborative manner that's less centered on studios and more focused on talent and leadership no matter where they are within Ubisoft, close quote. So the original story, this originally leaked earlier in the day and Ubisoft kind of like, all right, well, it's already out. Why don't we just confirm it? But supposedly, this is going to be a Fortnite-like game for Ubisoft, but just Assassin's Creed. I'm not a fan of this. Uh, I love the Assassin's Creed games, some more so than others. Mm -hmm. It's a fun game, you know, but I do not like Fortnite. I do not like multiplayer. I used to play multiplayer, but I'm kind of over that phase in my life. I much per I don't mind if it's like player versus environment or player versus enemies. So like, I got to team up with a squad of people and do stuff. I don't mind that. I do not like going up against the, you know, competitors of the world because my rum reflexes ain't what they used to be. I'm not good as some as good as some of these kids these days. And I just don't have time to delve into multiplayer games when you've got people playing ad nauseum amounts of hours when I let's face it, busy individual, I ain't got time like them. You know, and the other thing I should note, uh, when it comes to Assassin's Creed games and leaks, ninety-nine percent of the time they're right. I, yeah. the, like the last three games have leaked where they're going to take place. And it's probably more than that, but like the last handful of games have leaked where they're going to take place and it's been spot on every time. So Assassin's Creed leaks. If they're not saying what it's going to be about, the leak is more than likely true. Yeah. I, I gotta admit like Assassin's Creed just really isn't doing anything for me. Sure. So kind of have to wait and see how this plays yeah. out. Uh, and then we got a funny story from uh, Dominic Moynihan and Billy Boyd, who of course played Marion Pippin on the Lord of the Rings film series. Uh, because they made an appearance on the late show with Stephen Colbert uh, to promote uh, their podcast, which I got to get listening to. It's on my list to get, get going on, but it's their Lord of the Rings podcast. So, you know, I'm a fan of this. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, they went and talked to the biggest Tolkien fan on the planet, yeah, Stephen Colbert. Uh, and if you're not aware he's a Tolkien fan, look up the video of him debating uh, or smoking James Franco in 
Tolkien knowledge. Uh, he is the biggest Tolkien fan on the planet. Uh, and of course, with the upcoming Amazon series, they want, he wanted to pick their brain about some of the stuff, you know, that's been a little bit controversial, I guess you could say, uh, especially regarding the fact that there might be nudity in, in the upcoming Amazon Lord of the Rings series, especially when there was really no nudity. Uh, in, mm-hmm. And when I say nudity, I'm not talking like, oh, there's a character shirtless on screen. I'm talking now, they're like, we're talking like potential Game of Thrones scenes. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So it's got fans a little divided on this. Uh, so, uh, Colbert asked Monahan and Boyd about it, uh, and they revealed something that he, I'll admit even I didn't know, uh, saying, "Quote: Here's the thing: there was almost a new, there was almost nudity in the movies. Uh, this is from Billy Boyd. Uh, Philippa Boyens, uh, who was one of the writers uh, for the film, uh, she wrote a scene because we'd been doing some kind of gags and winding people up. She said, "Oh, it's a new scene we're filming next week with the Ents." Uh, when Pippin, Mary and Pippin are up in Treebeard, uh, he gets afraid, shakes his branches, which makes you guys fall. And as you hit all the branches on the way down, by the time you hit the ground, you're naked. And Mary turns to Pippin and says, it's cold, isn't it? And Pippin says, hold me, Mary. Uh, so yeah, this close quote. So there sounds like, and this is assuming they're not joking, uh, was almost some nudity in the Lord of the Rings uh, films, which would have been something. Uh, yeah, I, Dominic I, Moynihan would have been really into it. He said, "Quote: I was kind of into it. I have a really fantastic ass." Close quote. Geez, of course, he would say that. <laughs> he would say that. So definitely a fun quote between the two. And like I said, definitely got to check out their Lord of the Rings podcast, uh, The Friendship Onion. Yeah, I don't know, like how that would have worked. You know, like, I don't know. It would have like, been weird. Yeah, it definitely would have been weird because I mean, you don't associate that with Lord of the Rings. No, Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's like commonplace. But Game of Thrones are having sex every five seconds. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's yeah. a whole different vibe. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then for my comic picks of the week, uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue number seventy. Uh, listen, Nick Spencer's still writing. No said. Uh, you've also got Amazing Spider-Man annual issue number two. Uh, this one written by Jed McKay because, hey, Nick Spencer can't write everything of Spider-Man. Uh, the description of this one reads, Spider-Man versus Star. The next can't-miss installment of the Infinite Destiny saga is here. Spider-Man thinks he knows uh, reality warpers, but he's never met Ripley Ryan. Mass murderer and occasional thunderbolt. Star is still searching for her own path and the power to shape her future, however she wants. But can the wielder of the reality stone really go up against the hero who's fought gods? Find out here and get the next uh, phase of the Infinity Stone puzzle. Also in this issue, part four of eight of Infinity Infinite Fury. Uh, also, we got out this week, Avengers issue number 46. Uh, I got one phrase for you. World War She-Hulk. You know, I, I, I'm kind of like tenfold. Like, I'm excited to read the issue. Don't get oh, me wrong. Yeah. But when we start, like copying other events sure and this is something i've noticed marvel has done like sure. granted it's not like they're doing like inferno which we know is coming to x-men or we're going back to the clone saga because reasons yeah it's just when you start like adding characters into like events like such as world war hulk was such a fantastic storyline yeah. albeit the ending suspect yeah to tag it you know now with she hulk it's like that's a lot of high expectations i hope they hit it because yeah. how they've been writing she hulk lately in the comics has been awesome yeah but it's like you kind of think like okay can yeah. you duplicate that success so yeah. i'm hoping they can though i'm excited for yeah that. so the description of this one reads after the shocking events of enter the phoenix the earth has become more fractured and volatile than ever especially for the avengers once she hulk is declared a global menace russia's mightiest heroes the winter guard are tasked with bringing jen to justice to face a fate no hulk no hulk could hope to endure so I'll definitely be checking that one out this week. Uh, you've also got Batman issue number 110 uh, from James Tynan. 
you've got Batman the Se- the Adventure Continues, uh, issue number two of season two. So that, of course, is the continuation of Batman the Animated Series. I'm really digging that. Uh, you've got Captain America, issue number 30. Uh, you've got Justice League, issue number 64. Uh, you've got Justice League Infinity, issue number one. This one is interesting. This one I had not heard about until I was reading uh, on some, some previews for the week. So, uh, so this is the description of this reads, uh, from Justice League Unlimited producer James Tucker and series uh, writer J.M. Dematis comes an all-new season of starring the world's greatest heroes. There, uh, there is a being wandering the universe searching for its true purpose, but what it finds out on far, the farthest edges of the cosmos will challenge not just our universe, but many. Meanwhile, the war for the throne of Apocalypse arrives on Earth, and the true ruler will only be decided one way. Who can destroy the Justice League? So this appears to be in continuation of the Justice League Unlimited uh, storyline, which, you know, I love those shows. Give me more of those stories. Absolutely. Uh, and then also out this week, you've got Star Wars Adventures issue number six uh, from the folks at IDW. Uh, this one reads, Padme and Anakin have grand plans to have a romantic night together after a long separation, but before they get a chance to get together, Anakin is Jedi-napped by a group of outlaws. Now it's up to Padme to use all of her cunning and to infiltrate the outlaw group and rescue him. Then get a glimpse into the times of the High Republic with a story of the nefarious Nihil and tales of villainy. Uh, so this kind of feels like uh, one of the episodes of Clone Wars that was end of season one where Anakin was visiting Padme in the Senate and he loses his lightsaber uh, and then has to fight off a group of bounty hunters who are taking the Senate hostage. Hmm. Uh, so I'll definitely be giving this one a read because it sounds awesome. Yeah, it definitely sounds very interesting. A lot of solid picks at the comic yeah. shop this week. Uh, so for my one shots, uh, obviously before next episode, definitely want to plug again. Titans is going to be on TNT Network. Mm-hmm. So to lead into the August 12th premiere date, starting July 12th, you can catch up on Titans Season 1 and 2. They're going to go straight through. Uh, definitely get you hyped up for the season because uh, Season 3 is looking very, very cool. I got to say, I'm more excited about this season, but if you know my opinions about Titans, they start well. When they really hit stuff good, it hits great. When they falter... Season finales, mm-hmm. they're bad. So I'm hoping we finally get this worked out and we be, or we're able to go from there because that's the one thing this show really needs is a good little buzz to go behind it because I know a lot of people are questioning about it. So we'll kind of have to wait and see about that. Speaking about shows with a little bit of buzz, mm-hmm. according to comicbook.com, in an article they have posted, Megan the Stallion is rumored to be joining the cast of She-Hulk. Really? Yes. Interesting. So not exactly sure what the role is going to be, but according to the article, it would be playing a fictional version of herself in the series. Okay. And it doesn't look like it's going to be a cameo. It looks like it'll be over the course of the show. Cool. So definitely excited to see her attached to the show. I mean, this cast is definitely really going to be something to watch. Obviously, we know Tatiana Maslany is going to be playing Jen Walters. Big fan of her. Yes. And we know Mark Ruffalo is reprising his role as Bruce Banner on the show. Lou Ferrigno be damned. Yeah. I I heard those comments. I wasn't even going to bother addressing that. Uh, Anyone know his address? I got some comics to send his way. Yeah, seriously. We've seen this. In comics before, they've merged in the... Like I say, I don't even want to get into it. Like, I understand what his point of view is, but... Sorry, it's been in the comics, it's well-established, let's run with it. Jamila Jamil has also been casted as Titana. Okay. Uh, and obviously, the Abomination, Tim Roth, is returning. So, right. had an idea when we saw him in 
uh, Shang-Chi's trailer. So Shit's going down. Yeah, so we figure, okay, we're going to see a lot of MCU faces appear. And I know everybody's really excited to see maybe Charlie Cox is reprising his role as Matt Murdock. I don't know about that one. That's a stretch. I mean, at this point, Matt Murdock's going to be on our podcast next week. He's showing up everywhere. Exactly. So we do know, like I said, the original casting's here that we do know we can confirm are solid. I'm excited yeah. about it. Titania, I'm excited to see her on the screen. Obviously, a longtime foe of She-Hulk, so it'll be interesting in how they play this out. Expecting a lot of fourth wall breaking, too. Yeah. So Yeah. Let's say I read that today that there's going to be a bunch of fourth wall breaking with uh, She-Hulk. Yeah, I mean, they have done that in the comics before, too. So, I mean, that's nothing, like, really crazy out of the ordinary. No. But Megan Thee Stallion getting added to the show. That was Good something. For her. Yeah, I'm excited to see her appear on the show. And definitely have to keep an eye on that when Disney Plus decides to drop that on us next year. Uh, so let's see. Also talking about some TV shows, the boys are getting kind of a, a Talking Dead type show in their Ooh. in their own way. Okay, because they're going to be running a the Seven on Seven series, mm-hmm. which is going to be kind of a bridge gap between season two and the upcoming season three, and it's going to be kind of played in a parody role of they're going to be having a newscaster reporting for the Vought News Network, which if you know the boys, you know about Vought Industries. So we do know that this is going to be played uh, off a little bit. So you're going to hear like a couple news stories, like just playing along with the boys universe. And we do know that uh, Matthew Edelson will be playing VNN anchor Cameron Coleman. Mm. So these are supposed to drop on the 7th of every month. So we'll have to kind of see what this plays out to. But if you've been watching the boys, you know that they've been really teasing with everybody about this and if you know yeah. about seven on seven yeah this is something very cool for the digital uh realm to go check out because oh, absolutely. people are really amped up and rightfully so for season three to go so definitely excited to hear more about this project as it's coming out because the more boys you can get on your tv screen the better i say so amazon has got another winner on its hands so you definitely have to go check them out and see what it's all about so that all being said pad mm-hmm. the music you heard on this edition of the odph is out of shout at the robots fantastic people more gigs coming for the fall season, a couple in the summertime. They've got so much going on, it is tough to keep track. But if I want to find out everything going on with Shout, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Shout. Check out everything going on with Brian Wolf returning to streaming uh, for his once-a-month concert, I believe is the deal now. Okay. But still, he's going to be playing live music on Facebook. You can go check him out and everything he's got going on with his new project. Can't get into too many details of that just yet. And we can check out everything with Tom Jolu, who has a fantastic album out too. Second Suitor, Floodlands, Yard Party, all the great musicians that you hear each week on the ODPH podcast. Also, you can swing on over to the classified section where you can check out everything going on with friends of the show, such as Dragon Master Games, Excite Wrestling, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages. And of course, our friends over at 607 Podcast and 8122 Productions, Rich Ron, Mike C, and of course, Still on Twitter. Oh, Lord. Can't get rid of him. Can only hope to contain him. And it is going to be a live show this Saturday night on twitch.tv slash 607podcast for the UFC 264 live reactions because Diesel's going to be in the house with Coach watching Conor McGregor fight. That is enough to drop a follow. Mm-hmm. If you're not following and you're not and you're going to miss that content, I don't know what to do for you. You can also swing on over and check out the directory, which I know everybody's saying, well, wait, wait, I thought the directory was the classified section. Hold on, what's going on? Simple. I have been listening to a lot of the f- listener feedback, and everybody's saying, man, I like to listen to you on my different sites, um, if, but it, where do I go to find out where you're all on? 
Simple. You swing on over to the directory, and it has links to where we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean. The list goes on and on. If we're on a major podcast player, it is right there. It'll take you right there. So you hit those follows and go right to your podcast. Boom. Enough said. All of that and so much more at odphpodcast.com. <sighs> Man, that was a lot to say. But that's all I got for this week. So for the one only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Yeah.